This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. The hard part of selling your video game? Well, that's simply letting the community and players know it exists. That's particularly true if you're about to launch a new game and don't have an established brand yet. What's the solution? Well, it's creating your own dedicated online presence that lets you connect directly with players, gather signups for your email campaigns, and communicate things like updates about your game's development process or new features. You can build an online storefront, grow your community, run pre-orders and subscription programs, and generally bring in more long-term revenue by selling game keys, virtual goods, or bundles. Especially for indie developers, pre-orders are underutilized lifeline, but any size studio can benefit from them. That time block before the game is fully released, it's prime opportunity for building awareness and getting early stage pre-launch revenue, which can be critical for sustaining your project throughout the development cycle and helps you forecast your game's first year sales. Exola can help you accomplish this with Exola Game Sales. Want to know more about how to get started generating more revenue for your game? Visit exola.pro slash game sales or go to the link in the podcast description below. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Twig 207. We got Laura. And Eric Siefert and myself, Eric Kress. We have a few things to talk about, including my 365 days of not drinking, which I'm sure everyone's fascinated with. Um, we're going to talk about Microsoft Game Pass and this fucking bullshit that they threw out there from a press release thing. And I'm just so sick of listening to this nonsense. Eric's going to talk about some... Uh, TikTok launching their standalone gaming channel, so their uh, demise in gaming is not true, I guess. Um, but otherwise, just going to talk a little trash about Call of Duty and other things and do a little quick correction here. But uh, what do you, what's going on with you guys, Laura? How's everything out there in Seattle? Yeah, it's winter here. It is freezing. Um, was not expecting. Was not expecting this. Uh, my all of my winter stuff is somewhere on the in the Atlantic, crossing crossing over. So I've been a uh, surviving. <laughs> but otherwise, otherwise it's great. Awesome, Eric. What's going on in Austin? Uh, it's like weird weather. It's co- it's kind of cold. It's like misty, uh, but I'll take it. It was the most brutal summer I've ever experienced. Uh, the summer ended kind of like three weeks ago or <laughs> two weeks ago. Uh, so I'll take the cold and the rain. Let's swap. All right. And for, <laughs> for me, uh, I have hit a year mark 
no alcohol for one year. I did it. I started six months doing it for six months. I extended it another six months. And honestly, it kind of fucking sucks. You know, I miss it, but I don't think I'm going to go back for a while. So we'll see. Um, and people keep asking me what is like the thing that you miss the most. And honestly, I can hang in these social situations, like at, at, at events, um, you know, at bars or whatever, you know, but the worst, the worst situation ever is at dinner parties. Like I am literally crawling out of my goddamn skin because as you could imagine, I say very inappropriate things. And it can be awkward at times in these situations. When I drink, I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> but when I don't drink, when I don't drink, I am painfully aware of my stupid comments <laughs> and getting myself into trouble. And I also give a shit. Right? Oh, man. And so it's like, it makes these situations absolutely unbearable. If this, if that so sense, okay, hold, right? let, so I, let me, I finally, I, I can say, I unpack this real quick? So what you're saying, yes, that drinking doesn't make you more inhibited to say, more stupid things or stupider things but it makes you aware that you're saying them and so you turn into like an anxious wreck watching every word whereas the you know inebriated crest is just free flowing with the things that you would that you're going to say anyway that's the issue exactly (laughs) this this was the revelation i had it was brilliant and i'm like i okay that's why this is terrible right anyway so, like, okay, anyway, whatever, moving on. This is not that important. But overall, it's been good for my health, good for my fucking EA, executive BMI, good for my energy level, but awkward in social situations, generally speaking. All right. Uh, Jacob update. <laughs> I don't know. He won his soccer championship for middle school, which doesn't mean, any, it doesn't mean anything anywhere, anytime. However, you get a, a banner in the school that's going to be there forever. So he was super happy. And for the record, he's a fucking terrible soccer player, right? All he is is huge. Put him in the sweeper position. And all his goal is is to fucking drop people, make stop them by any means necessary. And that means kicking them in the shins. That means even physically knocking them down, whatever it takes, right? Um, and he had a few great stops in the, the final game. Uh, but he is a fish out of water out there at six feet tall. So anyway, but he won. That's all good. Um, all right. Corrections. We have a few corrections on Marvel Snap. We got a lot of a lot of feedback on this one. It's a beloved franchise. It's a beloved team. Uh, first, Laura. So <laughs> Laura's I'm going to go, go first. first on this one. So the, the the my takeaway from the feedback is uh, I'm going to start playing the games a bit longer before commenting. It was uh, pointed out to me that the reason I didn't see the uh, battle pass price was because I didn't finish the introductory battle pass that unlocks the proper battle pass afterwards so and yes i should have absolutely assumed they were going to charge for their battle pass and didn't for, uh, simply forget to include an iep so i hear you and i'm going to play more going forward and in her defense we uh, stuck this on her pretty uh, quick pretty early right before <laughs> the uh, po- podcast was airing so that was that was my fault as well all right uh also uh some people were commenting that we were a little bit too harsh on snap i think matei uh, from the two and a half men thing, two and a half gamers, two and a half gamers have some whatever. <laughs> it's like one and a half men, right? Like, like you know, whatever. Ah, ah, you know, he's tiny. Okay. Oh my on. god. Um, <laughs> I thought that's what it meant. I, I think it's because okay. his, right, his kid is on the show, or something. Yeah, I think so. It's um, because yeah, oh. there's two of them. You met oh, them. Thought... The, we met them at the Google uh, event, and then they have. I think Mateo yeah, yeah, yeah. has. A, no, no, I no. think his daughter is it. Oh, I thought I thought it was like one and a half. Whatever. Anyway, I'm an asshole. All right, moving on. So 
First, I want to be clear. So, oh, the feedback was basically that we were a little bit too harsh on Snap and whatever, and there, you know, like, and the monetization is not aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. I think that was kind of the general theme. But I want to be clear here, just for a moment, right? Marvel Snap for me is a huge test of the overall market. The market is absolute shit right now. Scaling new games has been very challenging across the board, whether you're, uh, um, whether you're a big publisher like. Uh, Fun Plus is having problems. Playtika is having problems. Uh, uh, even the Moon Active guys are having struggling, right? Like it, it, it's not a great market, right? So for me, Marvel is kind of an important game for that reason. And and secondly, Matt uh, Weibel is a very good friend, a friend of mine, and also a friend of the podcast. So I'm rooting for him and his team, and, I, and the team that they have is amazing. It's all the ex guys for Blizzard that did um, Hearthstone, right? But my general thesis on mobile is this, moving forward, right? Because we have absolutely removed mobile whale targeting, sorry, we've been moving whale targeting from mobile. The four things that I think are gonna be really, really important is that community and social is gonna become more important to build an audience for your game. You're gonna to have to leverage IPs to attract broader audiences and reduce the cost of acquisition. You're gonna build, and this is the most important thing, you're gonna build mass market games with uh, gameplay, with deep monetization design. This is the, basically the same strategy we did at Kabam back in the day. And you're gonna have to build products for a demographic market, right? Which is completely different than building products for whales and targeting them, right? And finally, you're gonna have to invest in alternative distribution and payment strategies going forward. This is like the high level type of thing that I'm thinking is going to be the next you know, strategy for mobile, right? And so what Marvel does is it basically checks almost all these boxes. Right. In, in, a, in a lot of ways, um, except for the third. I, this is a questionably mass market game because it is a puzzle. I mean, it is a card based battler, which is somewhat niche, but they dumped it down to basically the, the, the core of what a card battler is. So in some ways, it, it's more of a mass market game than Hearthstone, for instance. But but what it does definitely doesn't have is a deep monetization design. Right. Uh, and, and progression design, something like what Marvel Contest of Champions has had in most other you know, RPGs in the space. Um, so I spoke to Matt at Secondary after the podcast, and he basically is saying that that is their focus going forward is to increase the depth of spend for players um, in the next weeks or months, right? So, so I, I, I want to be clear. It was intentional to make this less onerous in terms of monetization. They did this on purpose, right? That, that was part of their goal. Um, and I personally think that that may be a mistake long term, but I may be wrong, right? I hope I am wrong because I am rooting for them. Um, um, so, so anyway, I, that, I just want to be clear on this, right? I am rooting for these games. I want them to be successful and I'm, and I'm definitely loyal to this team, but, uh, that doesn't mean they don't make mistakes or, or, um, or I don't see issues in, in how the design of the game is, is progressing. So we will see how they're doing so far. So good. It looks good. Um, my guess, honestly, if you run it. But gun to my head right now is what we should see. We'll see like a stabilization of revenue. They won't be able to scale this game. And then you'll, you'll see like a core contingent that keep playing forever and ever. And, you, and you'll see pretty stable revenue for a long period of time. But it's not going to scale uh, to a very big game. But uh, maybe next time I'll try to think about what what like the one year, you know, revenue will be. Um, any other comments? Uh I, I I needed to uh, issue a, a correction or maybe just a clarification. So I got a lot of negative feedback about my commentary, which was really just like some off the cuff idle thought that I had. 
Um, so I want to clarify. So my point was, um, I, what I said was, it's surprising to me as a player, given my motivations as a player, games, including including uh, this one, but in general, tend to uh, tend to pair you with uh, uh, like kind of uh, low talent bots early on because me as a competitive player would like to be challenged early on and if i perceive the game to be too easy i'm a high risk of churning right now i was making the point from my perspective as a player and i also said i understand that if they do that it probably has been tested extensively and is the right decision to do right but my point was just that it's surprising it's surprising that that's the right decision i'm surprised by that because i would assume that it wouldn't be that you'd actually churn out the people that you really want to keep right now. I know what happens when you assume, and I'm not advocating for using assumptions in game design. And I even said in the podcast that if they are doing this, it must be the right thing to do because I'm sure they tested it extensively. So I'm sorry uh, if my words cause pain to all the data driven PMs out there. Uh, I would never advocate for not using data in making design decisions. Uh, I apologize. That's not, I, I worded uh, my statements poorly. I was not clear. I would never uh, suggest to use your gut uh, and intuition in designing a game feature. But I just wanted to clarify my comments because I got the most negative feedback from anything I've ever said on any of these podcasts was about that, <laughs> me appearing to not be data-driven. And I'm sorry, and I truly apologize. It's like, it, it, it's like the 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 militant PMs yeah. out there, you know, just going absolutely and, nuts. And like, who was one um, of the most vicious? Was our Canadian friend Adam? I have never seen a Canadian be that upset about anything. I've never seen a Canadian get that worked dude, up about anything. Dude, he's lost his voice every time he starts ranting on Slack because of what we said or something we did on the podcast. I'm just like, it's because you're sitting there in Canada, freezing your ass <laughs> off, and you have no voice anymore because you're stuck. At Sony, in in the basement with Mishka, like chained to your desk, it's like fuck off, Mister Adam. No, I'm just kidding, Adam. I love you, but uh, well, dude, get out more. All right, get out of the cold. Get out of your basement. You move, know what it is. Can you imagine Talk a newborn and you're stuck inside because it's minus a thousand outside and you know there's snow yeah, everywhere no. and yeah, you're stuck in in the home with a newborn and just horrific. blizzard conditions? I would, I'd be angry too. How about this? Move out of Toronto. You know. Comes down south. Move to San Diego. Anyway, man. all right. Um, yeah, exactly. Moving on. So good news. Uh, good news for me, right? Because the thesis is short mobile, long console, right? Um, and my 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 argument has always been that Modern Warfare is going to be the biggest launch ever for the franchise. Well, I know, not saying that. Sorry, it was going to re- go back to the uh, to the uh, historical success of 2020, 2020 game, right? And so it's off to a fucking roaring start. Uh, $800 million in the first three days. Uh, and then on top of that, FIFA is up like 10%, uh, according to EA, uh, their pre- pre- uh, their earnings announcement. So uh, it's awesome. Uh, so far, so good. And we, we haven't even started with this new hardware shit, right? There's going to be a huge hardware push October, November, December. Or sorry, yeah, we'll see the, in the date of October, but also for, for holiday. And they seem to have a lot of hardware in the channel. So that should actually even further grow the market uh, for the rest of the year. And so, as I sa- I've said before, I think while the market is down 10% right now, I think the market will be either flat 
to up 5% uh, by the end of the year, given this strength. Um, so that's all good news. Uh, Eric, have you been playing? I've been playing. So I actually, I was uh, playing in the beta um, on the multiplayer side, which was good. But yeah, it's great. I mean, it looks amazing. Have you seen, there's a YouTube video. There's a, there's a, um, there's a, in the, in the campaign mode, there's a campaign that takes place in Amsterdam. And they like modeled yeah. out all of the, you know, the, the kind of like downtown Amsterdam that like the, uh, my, my Dutch is atrocious, but like D.O. de Kirk, uh, that's like the old big church and <laughs> down right, like kind of in the center. They modeled out like the entire neighborhood around that. I mean, it's indistinguishable from like uh, a, a high res iPhone video. It looks so good. I mean, the graphics are just amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, a prototypical fun, uh, call of duty game way better than, uh, the most recent world war two one. Uh, but really fun having a great time playing it excited that it's making a lot of money. Cause that means they're just going to make more of these. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy for the team. Congratulations. Yeah. I, um, I played through the single player and I started playing multiplayer and what I, as I've said, I think before in the podcast, like because the matchmaking is getting uh, is cross platform, you can actually people of my skill level can play with console players and actually be competitive. <laughs> you know, like if I played directly with the PC people, dude, I'd get my ass handed to me, right? But with the console people, because I think the precise controls of the uh, mouse are so much easier, um, I feel I feel competitive anyway. I'm definitely ranked, getting up the top three, but we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, but yeah, as you said, visually the thing is amazing. There are a few levels that are absolutely painful in the single player that that don't belong there with some stupid stupid mechanics. But uh, the multiplayer seems really strong. And then we'll see um, the uh, um, the free to play version. Man, I always blank on the name of it. But anyway, the free to play version will come out uh, I think in the next few weeks, uh, so that even a bigger influx of players. Uh, will come in to play the uh, Battle Royale uh, uh, version. So very excited about that. It seems to run pretty well. I haven't had any real technical problems. Uh, I also have a 3080. So <laughs> I have a pretty good graphics card. So that, that helps a lot. So um, anyway, uh, that's really good news for the industry as a whole. Um, EA uh, also had a great earnings release yesterday, which I won't talk about, but they're, they're doing well. Um the second update is uh, EA is announcing a long-term partnership with Marvel, finally. So there was rumors about a game that was coming out, uh, um, the Iron Man game. And so I think this is just substantiating that rumor that that uh, they, they are doing a deal with Marvel for three new action games and they're using Motive Studios. So I've said this again, this is a huge glaring hole in their product lineup for the last 20 years, right? An action game. And they've tried many times to go down this road and you know the star wars game the jedi knight game is was their kind of like their first major hit i think i would say in the action category and so based upon that success it's probably why they feel comfortable doing something with marvel um and and then so three games hopefully three different characters and uh the iron man game evidently is already in beta being played so we'll see that one first so pretty exciting hopefully they can execute against it better than Square Enix did on on their Marvel game, but um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I have two Laura. quick updates. First is Rovio is opening an office in Barcelona, and they'll be taking uh, supposedly 
uh, Angry Birds Friends and Dream Blast, which is number two and four of, uh, by revenue in their portfolio. Um, Angry Birds 2 is their top earner, which is earning roughly about 40% of their revenue, according to Sensor Tower. Um, why this is a good move. If, if you're going to ask me anywhere you should open an office in Europe, um, if you're already stationed either in the UK, you're stationed somewhere in the Nordics, I think Barcelona is a great move. It is uh, a mobile, it's become a mobile talent hub. Uh, Activision yeah. Blizzard's there, Scopely's there, Namco Bandai just opened there, GameLock's there, Ubisoft is there, Fun Plus. It is just if you want to scale a game, if you want to recruit talent, it is now a fabulous place to do that. Um, and I, I believe it's slightly lower cost of living than places like Helsinki or London. Um, I think from Rovio's point of view, they'll expand their reach and their presence. And since they are investing in new games, they'll be able to scale these quickly as they as they reach soft launch and worldwide launch. So quick update on Rovio Barcelona. I, so just a quick, so it's, it, first, it's wild to me that Angry Birds 2 is still such a big component of the revenues. I launched that game in like 2016. So that game is old. Yeah, no. You're, well, they should be thanking me. Some residuals or something. Uh, no, I'm kidding around. Um, but uh, Barcelona, it's funny because it it's 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 been like astonishing how quickly uh, like that. So there, there was this kind of like steady state of com- of like new studios being opened at Barcelona, and then it just exploded like in the last kind of mm-hmm. two years. I think part of it is. The cost of living, yeah, but I think it's just generally a more attractive place to relocate people to. And so if you were thinking like, okay, well, first of all, I mean, there's so many studios there now that there's probably like a very sort of like robust talent pool locally that you could just hire from a lot of other uh, companies. I mean, King has been there for a very long time. Remember, uh, one of my colleagues from Digital Chocolate left Digital Chocolate to go form King Barcelona. That must have been in 2011. Anyway. Um, so there's, there's, there's probably like a very, you know, deep talent pool locally, but if you want to hire someone to relocate, getting them to Helsinki is almost impossible. Like you're never, unless it's like a very, very senior role, like getting someone to move to Helsinki, um, is, is, is very, very, very difficult. Uh, but you know, getting them to move, move to Barcelona, like that's, that's maybe it's a different sort of like personal calculus. So I think like that makes a lot of sense, but you start to wonder, um, you know, when, when these like local talent hubs, they reach a tipping point and, and, and industry can really just explode there. And that kind of happened with, with Helsinki and mobile gaming, I think in like the sort of first wave of mobile games, like we'll see if, um, you know, there's a lot of like publishing that happens there and a lot of like back office stuff, but we'll see if like, if, if, if Istanbul and, and Barcelona are kind of like the new hubs for mobile gaming with this sort of like the next sort of post ATT era of the kind of big, broad, broad appeal, uh, more casual games that, that you've got to be able to, um, to master uh, the development of. And there's a lot of history of that in Barcelona. And so I guess it does make sense to have that be the, the hub for this sort of next era. I'm with you. I, Barcelona is a great city, super appealing. I, I think that if you want really nice weather, exactly as you say, it's, it's hard. It's much easier to get people there. But I mean, with remote though, I feel like there is Assuming all, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if Rovio is is remote hybrid or if they're if they're everyone's back in office, because that would actually no support your case even more. Because if they're back in office, then it absolutely makes sense to open it in a very appealing city. Yeah. Um, okay. One one more short update. 
I know we're not going to talk about Netflix, but I just wanted to do quick, very, very short. Uh, Netflix acquired uh, Spry Fox. And the reason I wanted to call this out is because I think they are a creative powerhouse. And I'm, I'm fangirling a little bit, but they, um, they launched Triple Town back in 2010. And I, I really consider this part of the, the first wave of casual Facebook games. So the kind of this era was Farmville, Dragonvale, Sims Social, It Girl, Bubble Witch Saga, Original. And these early games really set the tone for, the ca for casual puzzle as it exists today. Um, and I, I would love to have commented on Triple Town's revenue, but Sensor Tower only goes back to 2012, um, so I can't pull revenue from when it was released. Uh, from 2012, though, it's earned about an estimated two million. Again, missing two years of data. It's a smaller game by today's standards, but the reason I think it's special is because it is one of the earliest versions, if not the earliest version, of the merge mechanic. Um, happy for anyone listening to throw out more merge games. The only two I, I could remember going back that far was Triple Town in 2048, and I believe 2048 came out in uh, a year or two years after Triple Town. Um, but they really, I think they really set the stage and pushed things forward and had a lot of influence on the games that are in casual mobile today. So I think Netflix was super smart by acquiring them, and I think they're bringing some great creative talent to um, to their to their mobile their what there's going to be their gaming ranks. So just quick shout out there. I'm not getting this. I'm not getting this Netflix thing, dude. But we're, let's not go down that road. But I want to see some new shit, some new. That's why they're hiring these these creative, smart people. I think that's why it was a good move. I'm, <sighs> I'm curious to see what they're going to come up with. It seems like they're going to have a lot of room to create new new things, and I'm I'm I'm, gonna, I'm excitedly keeping an an eye out. I'm cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a. Until, until oh, how about this? Until uh, Jason Mueller calls my ass back after like calling her out, asking him to give me a shout, I'm not going to be positive on Netflix. How about that? That's a call out for Mr. Mueller to come and reach out again. God damn it! Um, all right, uh, Eric, do you want to go or do you want me to go? You can go first. All right, outrage, absolute outrage at this one. I, I, I you know, I've been saying. For the beginning with this Activision Microsoft thing, this is a Game of Thrones shit, right? Like this is like all posturing, all these legal PR firms are working overtime. Everything is crafted. Everything that is said by Sony, everything that is said by Microsoft, everything that is said, period, about this thing has been crafted and written and reviewed. And so anything that Phil Spencer says is not his words. It's words that have been like, you know, Tested and, and, and ah, anyway, it, 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 it's, it's all bullshit. So the headline was Microsoft says Xbox, Xbox Game Pass is profitable as it sees subscriber growth slow. Okay, this is the headline from The Verge. And so Phil, in this article, it says, Phil Spencer says uh, four things, really. One, the Xbox ser subscription service is profitable. Two, 15% of the overall content is services revenue, which is important that they're distinguishing that, right? Why would they be disclosing that? There's a reason. Um, and they had, have no no reason to think that this is going to go to like the 50 to 70% level of revenue generated. So it's not going to be a lion's share of the revenue that they're generating from their division, interactive division. This is very important information, right? The third thing is, Spencer also suggested that the Xbox Game Pass would not dominate 
uh, gaming revenue. Sorry, and that only so many Xbox console owners will will and can subscribe to the service. Another important point that he's trying to make here. And then he's also saying we're seeing incredible growth on PC. Um, the growth on console has slowed down because at, at some point you've reached basically everyone on the console that wants to subscribe. That was his exact quote, right? Which is obviously not his fucking a quote. It's the quote from a PR firm, right? Just to be clear. Um, and, and then he said some, some stats on how PC Game Pass's subscribers are growing insanely amount. Um, and it's also his long-term view is that they will get, have access to Android and iOS in order to reach the broadest audience possible. And finally, wow, there's more than four here. And finally, the real absolute last round of fucking bullshit in this press release is that, is that we have held price on console games and subscriptions for a while, but we will not be able to do that forever. At some point, we're going to have to raise prices on certain things, but he, he, he basically says that we will not do it this holiday. All right. So there is so much bullshit in this announcement that it's really hard to know where to stop. First off, there's no fucking way that the subscriptions are profitable. There is no reasonable measure between the hardware costs, bandwidth costs, cost of studios, distribution, engineering. There is no effing way, none, that, that they can manufacture a P&L that's profitable for this thing. You know, the only way they could do this is they remove all the indirect costs, right? Whether, or even the direct costs, right? So maybe in, in an island in which they get the revenue and there's no cost associated with the cost of development, the cost of, of the teams, the cost of the engineering, then maybe it's profitable. There's no way, no, no, no way. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, right? The second thing is that he basically said they reached all the people that they can reach, really? The whole point of a subscription model is attract a broad audience. That was, that was the major point. Why are they bringing more people into the fold if they can't attract a more, bigger audience? It doesn't make sense. Why acquire Activision if they're tapped out? If they're completely tapped out on subs, then, then why are you acquiring a $70 billion studio? And how is that cost going to go up to the profitability of the subscription service, right? It's, 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 it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, right? Um, and the, other, the, the third thing is that you do not increase prices on services that are profitable, right? If your goal is to, if, you're, if your growth is slowing, you don't increase price. You decrease price, right? If you're profitable, then why wouldn't you decrease price to get more people in, right? It's all nonsense. This is, the whole thing is nonsense. And I'll say this again from last week, the same thing. Android iOS expansion is a fucking pipe dream. Absolute, a pipe dream at best. There, first of all, I don't even know if the audience is really interested in that service, generally speaking, to do this on Google and Apple devices. But if they're going to be willing to post it, they're going to take their 30% cut, man. They're not going to be immune to that, right? It's just a fantasy absolute fantasy in this current environment right and the whole point of this is this whole line of rhetoric that he's throwing out there is fucking lies right lies to position themselves with the regulators related to the activision deal right they're trying to basically position the subservices tapped out so that's not going to change the landscape between microsoft and sony this is the whole point of this press release right they're already likely adding it as you know this verge article to the exhibits for their fucking you know, appeal to the UK authorities who have kind of held up their their approval on this thing for further consideration, right? So please do not believe these lies and propaganda. Like all this <laughs> stuff is half truths and 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 complete like utter bullshit, right? That they're and all positioning, right? And again, 
Phil Spencer has said none of this stuff. Like none of this is from Phil Spencer's brain or mouth, right? This is all like legal lawyers, PR firms that are just trying to position themselves the best way possible so that they can get this deal done, right? And they're 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 masters at it. And again, I don't even know what they're doing, right? I'm just guessing at this point, but I'm sure they have some master plan that, that I can't even conceive of. But nonetheless, don't don't listen to this stuff. This is just nonsense. So that's it. That's all I got on that one. My sense is here that it's a narrative. They're like seeding the narrative, right? So it's like, okay, well, look, we're, 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 um, we've basically saturated this one market, but that shouldn't be the market for a service like this. We've saturated console players, but that shouldn't be the market for a service like this. The, The tools and the technology exist to allow people to engage with this content on any device that they want. And so it should be totally possible to reach these people where they are on their phones. Now, when we run into a situation uh, where that's impossible on on iOS, on the App Store, right? Because keep in mind that Xbox streaming does work on the iPhone in the browser. Um, and it potentially, the economics just break potentially on on Android, if we try to go through um, the the Google Play, or if we could also launch our own store there, it's like, well, then okay, then then you start to see a situation where um, what they're doing is not bad for the consumer with acquiring uh, Activision, because well, hey, that's just going to bring more uh, great content to more people that want to play it wherever they are. But we're pretty constrained with our own owned channel. And hey, there sure are some competitive issues with these other hardware platforms. Maybe you should look into it, right? My sense is like that's the whole thrust of this PR push. It's really to just highlight the the inability to have content, even though it's not a technical limitation. It's it's a, a pure policy block uh, blockade from taking this content that we have um, that we've that we produce and pushing it out to people wherever they are and whatever hardware form factor they use. You know what part I actually stuck to on this was this reminded me very much of the when when we were back in you know in COVID times with lockdown in the UK what they would do with what I noticed observed happening was whenever they were going to kind of push something forward that the the UK government would seem and believe would be unpopular they would kind of float it initially by saying hey this thing is rumored to be coming and it would either be another lockdown or whatever. I'm, this that reminds me very distinctly. I mean, I'm drawn to the, the price changes here. I feel like they're they're rounding, they're preparing everyone that they will be that there will be price changes. And my guess is that sometimes with pricing, if what what I've observed at least in in some casual games is that you can actually some if it's undervalued too much. And me, I'm not saying whether this is undervalued or not. I'm talking about more about they're probably approaching this from a price optimization standpoint where something that is not necessarily selling as much as you think it will, will stand to do better and have more revenue overall if you raise the price. Regardless of whether or not the the structure changes or what the value you're getting changes, it's all in the perception of the value. So I see those two things. I think they're mentally preparing people then for a price change, at least that's what I'm drawn to in in this article. And then also they're probably going to figure out how to make this more, how to make this work better for them. Would be my take. Hmm. I, 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 I'm just going back to the same thing I've always said is that they, they don't have the content to reach a broader audience than they've already reached. I actually kind of agree with that conclusion. 
right? But that's not the point of having a subscription model is to reach as many people as possible to expand the market. Like that's the whole point. And so they're arguing the exact opposite point that they've been making since they, the inception of this idea of a subscription, you know? And so ultimately, like, I, I don't know if any, none of this is, none of this is makes sense. And I think, again, it's all posturing for the, for the, for getting this deal done. Um, and, and they likely will get this deal done, but, uh, but I, I'm glad the UK is like, you know, putting their feet to the fire to like, you know, prove because ultimately it is anti-competitive in, in this, in this world. And it's just the, the laws and the rules are just not set up to like, um, to, to fight it, but that's a whole other kind of debate, but, uh, all right, Mr. Seifert, let's, uh, finish it off with, the. Let's talk TikTok. Okay, so uh, there has been reporting that TikTok was expanding a gaming initiative. Um, I think the first news came out like in May. So it's you know the 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 um, you know the, the the sort of idea here is not new, but there you know there there was reporting and and. Um, there's some kind of kind of signal that that TikTok was sort of moving uh, deeper into gaming, and so I'm going to quote an older article now, and then I'll get to the actual update that I have. But the older article is TikTok has quietly added over a half a dozen mini games uh, into its app, right? And so the idea here was, and I'll quote the articles from The Verge: says, in recent weeks, TikTok has started testing, offering a small collection of mini games within its app. There are nine games available as part of this initiative, which can be added to a video before it's uploaded by using the add link option and selecting minigame. Viewers can play a linked game by tapping the link that appears underneath the account's username while a video is playing. When playing a game, there's the option to record gameplay and subsequently post it to TikTok. So the idea there was like you actually integrate it into the video content and then that could potentially spawn off like a whole separate thread of UGC. So I'm there's a video, it's got a game attached to it. I play the game, I take a video of myself playing the game, I push it out as a TikTok, basically just a way to integrate with the core TikTok experience, spawn off a bunch of games. Okay, so that was from July. Now, uh, two days ago or three days ago, there was an article from the Financial Times. I don't have a subscription to the Financial Times, so I've posted uh, or I'm, I'm using a link that just summarizes what the Financial Times said. But anyway, there's from uh, Seeking Alpha. There's a TikTok Ready's key push into mobile games, and this is this is from just a couple of days ago. And now the news is that TikTok is taking that. Um, integration of games one step further and they're launching a standalone games tab in the TikTok app. And so what will happen is you're in TikTok, you're, you know, in- engaging uh, as you do and you can click the games tab and you'll be able to just instantly play a bunch of HTML5 instant games, right? So one might ask, well, how is this any different from what Facebook did with instant games, which didn't really work that well, right? Like they had instant, instant games integrated in a messenger you could launch a game, play with friends. You could launch a game and, and just play it solo. Um, and they kind of backed off of that, uh, of that product. Well, why would this, why would this work uh, where Instagram didn't? Well, first of all, my sense is that the Facebook Instagram... So my understanding was that the, the Instant Games product from Facebook was like... Or Meta was the result of a like weekend hackathon. So they, you know, they do like hackathons all the time and you could uh, basically assemble like a, a skeleton crew of like a PM and two engineers or whatever, come up with some product and then you pitch it and then maybe that'll get adopted as like a new product. So that got it, that, that 
the genesis of instant games was just some hackathon and it, and it never really was like, you know, totally fully resourced. They were always pretty tentative about how, what they wanted to do with that. But at the same time, that was all pre ATT, right? And now we're in a totally different operating environment. And I really do think that you can say this time is different. This time really is different. Like it's a totally different landscape now, competitive landscape um, with, uh, you know, with ATT. And so my sense is if you integrate this into the app, you're going to have a lot more developers that potentially want to move in that direction. I think if Netflix is poaching developers left, right, and center, right? Um, and if you get bought by Netflix, I mean, you're, you're making mobile games that as of right now are not really going to be mass market, right? It's just a, it's just a subscription add-on. We've, taught, we've beaten that horse to death. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But my point is, if Netflix can acquire developers and they can recruit developers into this, and Apple Arcade can... Well, then I think TikTok can too, because the idea is you're at, this actually could be like a mass market game if I'm building it for the TikTok platform. And also, I mean, I don't, we'll see what the terms end up being, but it's probably, you know, working with TikTok probably doesn't preclude you from just publishing it elsewhere, right? And that was always the promise that Facebook uh, offered developers that, that built for its platform. It's like, look, this is a low cost acquisition channel. We'll give you a bunch of free discovery too on top of that. And then people will learn about your game and then you can sort of potentially uh, transfer them over into the mobile version. That never really worked out uh, for any developers, I don't think. But again, this time is different. Maybe that's the acquisition path of least resistance in this new environment. So like, there's a bunch of reasons why I think this potentially could work now, whereas it didn't before. Also, I just think, you know, my understanding of the way that TikTok sort of uh, pursues uh, priorities is like, if someone says it's important, a thousand engineers get pointed at it, right? It's not like, uh, you know, it, maybe at other companies uh, where there's more of like a consensus that has to be reached or, or you know, there's, there's just less of an ability to like innovate on stuff um, that is seen as important. Um, now, I think that was true at Meta back in the day. I mean, obviously, Mark Zuckerberg decides what's important and he's done that with the metaverse. But nonetheless, I just feel like TikTok could just point a ton of resources at this, get it spun up. Um, and build a product that's pretty compelling. And then also, um, you know, uh, have that be integrated with the ads product, have that be integrated with general uh, video discovery and the core product. I think there's a lot of ways that you could build like a um, a, a virtuous uh, feedback loop from this that builds a lot of, uh, in, in, that, that generates some increases to engagement and hopefully monetization. Um, but then also it just becomes a compelling third platform to publish to for app developers and they need that. So my sense is like, I'm not, you know, if, if I had, if I would have read this story two years ago, I would say, what a joke, this is dumb, but now I'm not so sure. And now I think like I, I could potentially see a product like this uh, work and find a place in the market. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, the biggest challenge with HTML5 games is the way users engage with the, with the platform. Right. So in, in China with WhatsApp, they, they, they're I mean, that is their gateway to the world, right? And they're there all the time. And so that creates a, a, a profile of a user that's engaged constantly in the games. And so those HTML5 games worked reasonably well, supposedly, reportedly, anyway. The problem is there's no such, no such uh, uh, app on the platform in the U.S. That, or in, in the Western countries that, that have that kind of engagement profile. But TikTok actually does, you know? 
these fucking loons like my daughter are on this thing constantly. And so if, if, if they have that level of engagement, then maybe this shit might work, right? They, they may be able to uh, capture that, that particular audience that is super highly engaged in, in TikTok. So it'll be interesting to see if they see some success there where they haven't seen success anywhere else like Facebook and Snap and whatever other places they've tried. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds interesting. Finally, finally, HTML5 game, boom, boom, coming back again on TikTok. Let's see. I can't wait. So I, I just took a peek at the article. It looks like it's available in the U.S. and U.K. versions of TikTok, the games, or at least the integration. I am so excited. I, again, I love TikTok. I can easily kill a bunch of hours on there. What I think is going to be interesting, though, and I know Snapchat games was was very small. I don't think it, it really I don't think it really took off, but they did they use the social components of their app to make, to integrate the games in. So it was more natural to what you were doing anyway. So you're playing with people. If they take that angle for TikTok, I think it's going to be super interesting. Um, I do hope they think outside the box. I think, I don't know if, I can't picture just having kind of like a, a single player experience would be, I think it'd be good. I don't know if it would be great. Um, so I do hope when they, when they try, they're going to try a whole bunch of different things that aren't just, try to take a casual mobile game and chuck a simplified version of it into TikTok. What I really hope they do is lean into like what people love about TikTok is, is the content creators. Um, how can they, how can they either integrate with some of the more popular content or find ways that uh, get the interactivity of the audience in more than just commenting? Cause like you can like, you can comment, you can save, but there isn't, I don't see, and you can do that, but there's not too much, like that is an angle that I think is right for opportunity. And I'm super excited. I didn't know you were like a big TikTok. Oh user. yeah. I don't make anything. I don't post anything. I am just, I'm a watcher. Yeah. I don't, I oh don't, uh, I don't have TikTok installed on my phone. Maybe I'll get a burner phone for, uh, <laughs> for, for <laughs> testing purposes, but no, I don't, I don't have TikTok installed on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> have you ever heard the expression shipped? I ship like no. you ship a game. No, supposedly like there's this thing on, on Facebook, on, on, on social media in which you basically ship two people, right? You think they should be together. And sometimes it's like a joke between like a, a star, like Drake and someone that, you know, or something that, that, that's a good ship okay. connection. Right. And so, uh, the kids these days are all the, the like basically crowdsourcing relationships. And so Jacob was shipped with this girl in, from another school or something and people are commenting on whether or not they're a good match. Right. So it's like, it, 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 it's like, it's like matchmaking, dude. It's crazy, oh, dude. So, and, and, and I, dude, I feel like a thousand fucking years old when I start talking to them about this stuff. Cause I'm like, what shit? How does that even make sense? You know, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of the word versus like what they're actually doing. But anyway, um, it's the same. It's a, I don't know. That- this, uh, that could get real toxic real quick. These days. <laughs> no, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like it, 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 it's like uh, the match for yeah. kids type thing where they're like setting setting people oh. up, or or it's actually more like arranged marriages right. for kids, yeah. but but it's all done through social media and and peer pressure. You I know feel what like- I mean? And so now Jacob is like quote unquote dating this 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 girl he's only met once oh. and was invited to her crazy bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. Sorry. And it's like, 
this is a fucking weird world. Like, and, 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 and anyway, it always reminds me of my age when I start hearing these things and I'm, and I'm totally outraged, you know, like, um, but, uh, but whatever works, I guess. I just think yeah. you pitched like the next, the next iteration of Facebook dating. I feel like what you, what you did, like meta <laughs> should take and be like, this is the new wave of what social dating is going to be. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I don't like the fact that my son was being very sneaky about this whole thing. Like he would not cop to the fact that he was like interested or dating. Oh someone. man. And I fucking found out through goddamn through TikTok. Shit. <laughs> through TikTok. No, I think it was Instagram, but whatever. Like I'm finding out through social media, my kid's social life. It's bullshit, dude. That's what, bullshit. He's isn't that normal? That's what fine. movies suggest happens. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it. All right, guys. Well, we'll talk to you guys. Actually, I'm out next week. I am in Dubai um, so uh, for this Google conference. And I hope you guys will continue without me. Uh, but we may actually have to take a week off next week. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I will post another interview with uh, Jason Chapman from... Oh, by the way, Jason Chapman from Convoy. So, ba- so I thought I had him exclusively. And then he did a podcast for Navic, dude. I feel cheated on Oh, man. But anyway, he's a really good guy. And uh, and uh, we'll have that on Monday. So we'll see what happens next cool. week. All right. Have a see good one, guys. See you later. How do you stop this thing? Oh. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.